The epistle is from Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe you've heard of the book, The Art of War, that old Chinese manual for fighting battles, for winning wars by Sun Tzu. Maybe you've heard of that, The Art of War. There's this line that is pretty commonsensical, but it comes from this book, and it is that you need to both know your enemy and know yourself, and then your victory will be assured. You need to know your enemy, and you need to know yourself in order to win a war. Last week, we heard about how every one of us has an enemy inside of us, and it is that sleazy defense lawyer who is always trying to get us off the hook, always trying to justify the things that we have done, the things that we want to do, are breaking God's law. That sleazy defense lawyer is our enemy, and he needs to be put to death. You need to shut him up and not listen to him, not let him advocate for you. Instead, instead, you should let Christ advocate for you. Christ who advocates for you with his blood, the blood that he spent on the cross for you. That is your defense, not any kind of an argument that this sleazy lawyer can make inside your mind, inside your conscience, inside your heart. But there is another enemy that really comes before that defense lawyer even shows up, and that enemy is your old sinful nature, the old Adam that lives inside all of us, the Adam, the nature that we have inherited from our parents and they from their parents going back to Adam and Eve, who sinned in the Garden of Eden. That old sinful nature is your worst enemy. It is your worst enemy, and this is the irony of that phrase from the art of war, know your enemy and know yourself, well, it happens to be that they're the same thing. So today we learn about that enemy, that old sinful nature, which Paul calls the flesh. Now, it's really important when you hear Paul talking, especially in Galatians and in the epistle to the Romans, when he talks about the flesh, he's not talking about the stuff that your body is made of, as though there's some problem with skin and bones and blood and muscles. That's not the problem. When he talks about the flesh, he's talking about what is earthly, what is temporal, what is fleeting, what you have inherited from Adam. He's talking about that sinful, corruptible, rotting mass of humanity that you have because you are a sinner. It's not just your skin and your bones, not just the stuff that you're made of, but it is your whole person. 
body and soul, corrupted by sin. He sets that flesh over against the spirit. And when he talks about the spirit, he's not talking about your soul, but he's talking about what you have received from Jesus in your baptism. That is, you have received the person of Jesus Christ. So in yourself, you have simultaneously this old sinful nature that encompasses all of you, body and soul. And you also have Christ dwelling inside of you by faith, encompassing all of you, body and soul. Now, this is a real problem, as Paul says. There's this conflict that results, this conflict between the desires of the flesh, those old sinful desires, and the desires of the spirit, the desires of Christ, what is pleasing to God. Those two things are at odds with one another. They're in conflict. Now, it's often the case that this is pictured as, you know, like in those old Looney Tunes cartoons where you have a little angel sitting on one shoulder and a little demon sitting on another shoulder. That's not exactly what is going on. It's not as though you have two counselors sitting on your shoulders advising you what to do and what not to do, because in fact, everybody has that, Christians and non-Christians alike. But the way that non-Christians, people who have not been called by the gospel, who do not have the Holy Spirit, the way they decide what they should or should not do is not what is pleasing to God, but it is what's good for me, what's going to get me ahead. What is going to make me seem good? What can I justify in the eyes of other people, in the eyes of myself? So when the world thinks about a conflict between good and evil, it's always just a conflict of what's good for me. It's never actually a question of what's pleasing to God or what is actually good. But you Christians, you have something different going on inside of you. You don't have two counselors outside of you talking to you, but you have within you your old sinful nature and Christ himself, who are in competition, who are fighting against one another. The struggle is a struggle that you have inside of you. And that's one incredibly important thing to observe this morning. Take a look at yourself. Do you see that struggle inside of you? Do you see the struggle between the desires of your flesh and the desires of the Spirit? Do you see a conflict between what your old sinful nature wants to do and what Christ has told you is good, and so what you want to do in order to please him? Do you see a conflict between selfishness, seeking your own good, and selflessness, loving your neighbor? If you don't see that kind of a struggle going on inside of you, then you must repent, because that is what Christians have going on inside of them. A Christian's life, from beginning to end, is a life of struggle against the flesh. It does not go away until you breathe your last. Those sinful desires are always there. And so if you don't see the struggle, it just means you're ignoring it. You don't recognize it. And so repent. Repent so that you can take up arms against this enemy, so that you can do battle against this enemy, so that you can put that enemy to death. This is one of the reasons why the church exists, because this is difficult for any of us to do on our own. This is one of the reasons why church discipline exists, why we as a congregation have agreed that if somebody in our midst is caught in sin, we will do everything in our power to restore that person, including if they show no struggle against that sin. That is, if they are willingly pursuing that sin, we will cast them out of our presence to call them to repentance. That's what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians. 
When someone is caught in sin and not struggling in it, when they have given up the fight, when they've given themselves over to that sin, we as a body of Christ are called to help them. To say, you are practicing the things that are not of God. And as St. Paul said in our epistle lesson, whoever practices those things will not receive the kingdom of God, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This struggle matters. It matters that you take up this struggle. It matters, in the first place, simply that you recognize the struggle at all. That in this life you are engaged in a battle. Now that's important for you to know as Christians, because unlike the non-Christian world, you actually have a choice. People who have not been called by the gospel, people who have not been called by the Holy Spirit, who have not been made new and given new hearts, they don't have a choice. They can only pursue the desires of their flesh. That's what they do day in and day out. They don't have a choice. And it's a pity. It's dreadful. It's a path that leads straight to hell. But you, you Christians, have a choice between the desires of your flesh and the desires of the Spirit. St. Paul says that the difference between those two things is plain. It's clear. The works of the flesh are evident. This is one of the ways that the world tries to really undermine the gospel. It says, look, it's really not so obvious what's good and what's bad. It's really not so obvious what is right and what's wrong. There's a lot of gray area. There's a huge gray area. And if you're comfortably living inside that gray area, then you're going to be just fine. That's not how it is at all. Listen to what Paul says. The works of the flesh are evident. You know them when you see them. And he gives you a list. That's not an exhaustive list, but you can compare it to the Ten Commandments. The works of the flesh are evident. Now, what does this mean for you as Christians? It means that when it comes to choosing between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit, the choice is clear. It's not a difficult choice, as in it's hard to tell what the right thing to do is. It is a simple choice. The choice between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. It's the difference between rottenness and wholesomeness. I was with a pastor this week who was thinking, as we were talking about this text, he was thinking about his freezer in the garage, which evidently tripped the circuit breaker, and so all of the meat in that freezer was rotten. He wondered why the dog was spending so much time around the freezer. But he, it was a great example, right? The difference between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit is the difference between what happens when you open that freezer <laughs> and that stench comes out. It's the difference between death and life. It's the difference between something that is completely unsatisfying and something that is wholesome and meant to satisfy you. This is the example that came to my mind. You know, maybe you don't have this problem. I do. You open up a bag of Doritos and uh, I can't eat just a few Doritos. Once I start, I have to keep, the whole bag is gone. There's no hope, right? So we have to get small bags of Doritos because I eat the entire thing. But why? Why are Doritos such a problem for me? Well, it's partly self-control, but it's also because they are not actually satisfying. Have you ever thought about that? Doritos are not actually satisfying. They don't satisfy your hunger. They fill you with nothingness. They fill you with all kinds of chemicals that aren't good for you, right? It's not real food. They don't satisfy you, and that's why you need to eat more and more and more. And that's the way sin works. That's the way your sinful desires work. They do not satisfy you. They require more and more and more of you. You dig a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. The difference between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit is the difference between something that is completely unsatisfying, that never can or will satisfy you, and Christ himself, 
who wants to satisfy you, who wants to fill you with good things, who, as the proverb says, wants to make from your hearts flow springs of water. That's the difference. It's clear. Pay attention to that difference. In our epistle lesson, Paul also explains that this choice you have between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit, this choice comes with a promise. Listen to what he says early on. He says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not a maybe. It's not a you might. It's not you're going to have a better shot. But walk by the spirit and you will not. That is, think about the contrary. If you do not walk by the spirit, if you love what your flesh loves, if you go after it willingly, then of course you're going to gratify every one of those desires. But if you walk by the spirit, that is, if you walk by faith, if you live according to the promises of God, if you live with ears open to his words, with eyes set on his cross, with a heart that is seeking what he loves and what he says is good, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't give them life. They will still be there. Remember, you're not free of these desires, these sinful desires, until your last day. You're not free of them. But you won't give them life. You won't embody them. You won't let them take on flesh in your person. In fact, as Paul says, you will crucify them. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's the struggle that a Christian is engaged in, a struggle between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. Put to death those sinful desires. Know them. Know that they are there. Pay attention to them. And when the struggle mounts, take up arms. Do not just lay down and say, well, this is who I am and this is what... God has made me to be, and I'm just going to suffer under these things. No, take up arms. When you say no to the desires of your flesh, you kick the devil in his teeth. You send him running. He can't stand it. And the arms that you take up against the desires of the flesh, that no that you level against the devil, the world, and your own sinful nature, that comes by faith. So think about what it means to walk by the Spirit. That isn't just mustering up the strength to do what is good and right. No one can do that. Walking by the Spirit is to live in faith, to live trusting His promises. It's the same thing that happened when you were called by the Spirit. When you were called by the Spirit, He gave you good news that in spite of this old sinful nature, in spite of those desires of the flesh which harass you day in and day out, Christ has died for you. He fought the battle for you. He won the war for you so that you do not need to fear them. In fact, he has set you free so that you do not have to indulge them. Remember, the world has to. The world can't help it. It's bound to gratify the desires of the flesh. But you have been set free. Christ has set you free. That's how you should think about what we do on a Sunday morning. That's how you should think about what you do every day when you wake up and think about your baptism. When you wake up and think about your baptism, think about what God did for you in your baptism. He drowned the old sinful nature so that a new person could arise and live before God. He washed you and made you clean. He said, look, I know that you've got these desires and I'm going to protect you from them. He says, look, I know that you're soiled with sin and I'm going to make you a new person. I know that you can't trust in anything in this world. You can't even trust yourself. And so he says, trust in me. 
This battle, this struggle against the flesh is kind of a halting, kind of a stumbling battle that we engage in. It is not a battle that we can ever accomplish, never succeed in on our own. If we decide, okay, now I'm a Christian, now I'm going to do this, now I'm going to put away the flesh and live according to Christ, you're out of luck. You can't do it on your own. But if you live your life listening to Jesus' words, hearing his promises, receiving from him again and again and again the forgiveness of sins and his love for you, his mercy and his grace extended to you, then you are walking by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. It's a promise that he gives to you and that is what you want as Christians. So keep up the fight. Keep up the battle. Keep up the struggle. And one day, finally, you will overcome and you will win the victory. Finally, one day, God himself will crown you because you are his sons and daughters. He'll slap you on the back and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, because you put your trust in Jesus. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.